It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. now. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts, Chris Schubert's floating around producing this thing. We are from the Draft Network, and we are brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or golf. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy International Ninja Day to you. Ninja Day. Happy Ninja Day to you as well. I don't see too many ninjas zipping in and out of the room <laughs> but that's ninjas, what they're for right ninjas Stealth. are right up there with like quicksand as something as a child i was concerned about that as an adult i really am not just don't spend any time invested in it at all yeah yeah joe when uh, would you ever be in a situation where you would be near quicksand what you, when you were a child you never thought about quicksand and it being part of your movies? life as an adult no, no, no. I, 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 I hear you. I hear both of you. And I, I've seen the movies and I understand it. But like, I never thought I would be the one in the situation where me and a group of my friends were sinking rapidly to our own demise, you know? Oh, I, I thought about this all the time. Kyle, uh, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I forget what movie it was. But I watched a movie as a kid that I saw somebody sink in that. Nope. Nope. That was scarring. Spoiler yeah. alert. It happens in the, the last part of the, the Star Wars trilogy. Episode 7, I believe it happens. Oh. I believe seven, we have a, uh, a Draft Dudes first here going on. I don't think we've ever done an episode of Draft Dudes where Kyle and Chris were uh, together in the same room, and I was, you know, 800 miles away. But here we are. And I'm legitimately floating around producing this thing. Like, I'm sitting in front of our mixing apparatus. I, Joe can't see me. I can't see Joe. I'm looking at Kyle. I can't actually hear Kyle unless I take my headphones off because I have my headphones on to hear wow. Joe. Like, I'm in full producer mode right now for this edition of the show, and it's, it's wild. It's a wild ride. Oh, well, we is that our is fun. Kyle? Was that him telling us, "Hey, uh, minimize my need to talk today"? <laughs> is no, that a signal? Yeah, pretty much. All right, so it's a it's a Monday here. We've got our dudes from the weekend that was. We've got a very very spicy mock draft from Mister Damian Parson. A lot to get into here today, Kyle. I have three dudes: two from the world of college football, one from the world of the NFL. And um, I'm excited to get into it. Okay. Give me a dude. All right. My first dude. Utah quarterback Cameron Rising, the Pac-12 champion Utah Utes with their 47-24 to win over USC. 
Caleb Williams came into Las Vegas. He came there to win the Heisman Trophy. He came there to put the Trojans in the college football playoffs. And Cameron Rising said, sit down. It was an ugly start to that football game. USC made some big-time plays. They got up 14-3 to after the first quarter. But then Utah went on a 44-7 to run to put the Trojans away. And Cam Rising was instrumental in this football game, 22 of 34, 310 yards, three touchdowns, passing, had some big scrambles as well, and he stole the show. This wasn't supposed to be his day, but it was his day. It was Utah's day, and um, put some respect on that Utah program, one of the best in the country that we don't talk about, really well-coached situation, and um, you got you to gotta love how Utah – responded to that early deficit and how Cam Rising rose to the occasion. Wow. Rising to the occasion. <laughs> I've bad, peaked. Huh? I've peaked. There's nowhere else for me to go. Do you hear oh. how giddy he is? Do you hear, did you hear that chuckle under his breath? He should be. That's a job well done. My first dude. How about Samaj P. Ryan? Cincinnati Bengals running back. 21 attempts. 106 yards. Five yards a carry. He had a long of 10 rushing the ball. So just there's no explosive play here propping these statistics up. We are just solid gain, solid gain, solid gain. And then, oh, by the way, you caught six passes for 49 yards as well against the Chiefs. And Cincinnati logging their seventh consecutive win. Is it seven? Wow. Seven consecutive wins. It's back to like the streaks back to like the early 90s or mid 80s of times that the Bengals have yeah. consecutively beat the Chiefs. And um, the Bengals very suddenly looking like the favorite in the AFC North. They have a lot of momentum. Baltimore edged out a win, but it came at a cost with the injury to Lamar Jackson. So Bengals 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And Samaj P. Ryan stepping in for Joe Mixon and having the consistent production that he's had, I think deserved honors here on Draft Dudes on a Monday. He's one of my biggest. I'd, I'd agree, man. Um, I thought Matt Mixon's a great player and, and such an important player for them this year and, and really especially last year. And I'll admit I had some some concern about the drop off there. And you know, I've even I've even championed. Chris Evans having more of a chance there behind Joe Mixon, but just kind of feels like Samaj P. Ron just keeps kind of getting it done. So I, I think that was a good shot out there. I like that. Thank you. My next dude, we're going back to the world of college football. Another conference champion, Kansas State cornerback Julius Brents, mm. 6'3, 203 pounds, 33 and 7 eighth inch arms, was a big time factor, an impact player. And Kansas State's 31 to 28 win over TCU. That's the, the college football playoff bound TCU. Not the Big 12 champions. What if I told you that TCU, before the season, TCU was going to the college football playoffs, but they wouldn't win the Big 12? You'd said, Joe, you're out of your mind. Well, that's the world that we're living in right now. And and Julius Brents, this is about this is about K-State. This is about Julius Brents and the big-time plays that he made in this football game. He was a monster. Big-time plays on the ball, had the big force fumble, had some huge tackles, and 
he was locked up against a great player in Quentin Johnston, uh, potentially the first receiver drafted next April. And Quentin Johnston, against Julius Brents' coverage, only caught one pass on five targets. And TCU as a team was two of eight when trying Julius Brents. And so, you know, there's some good corners in this class, but I think one that deserves some more love is the former Iowa Hawkeye whose career has absolutely taken off over the last couple of seasons at Kansas State. And he's got that athleticism and that size and that length that I think a lot of teams are really going to like. And I think if people were unfamiliar with him and they watch this ball game, they're going to be quite interested in him. And, you know, we'll see if the if he plays in the bowl game against Alabama, another great opportunity for him to go and showcase himself. He's a, a senior bowl guy. So I think this, this guy has a real chance to be a big time riser here over the next few months. And Really, for anyone who wasn't familiar and watched that ball game, they know about Julius Prince because he was a big-time impact playmaker in K-State's win over TCU. Chris, do you want to acknowledge the college football playoff committee as dudes and dudettes? As like your dudes and dudettes? Partially. They get dudes' respect for picking the right four teams. What they did after that is a little bit of a mystery that I will save for another time. I have a legitimate question. First of all, for for Chris, do you mean are you mean the the order of the four? Do you take exception with that? Or are you talking about five through whatever, however many teams that rank after that? Yeah, it is. It is five through twenty five is where I have a problem. I have a problem with where Alabama and Tennessee ultimately ended up getting ranked. I have a problem with what they did to USC and that loss. Well, and you, you don't have four to loss L- it, four loss LSU say- seventeenth in the country. You know. You can save it. I got to be honest with you, and I wonder if Kyle's in the same boat as me. I have no idea what the rankings are after the top four. I didn't look. Um, Alabama <laughs> is five, and Tennessee is six for starters. I I just okay. Don't you have a little fundamental problem when these teams play yeah. each other? And no, I, but I said that I said that, that last week, and I didn't get I didn't get a lot of love for that. So, so Joe, can I can I jump in here real quick? The reason sure. why you didn't get a lot of love is because I thought ultimately those two teams in particular would wouldn't move a whole lot up and down the board. I thought they would kind of just be stuck in their spots. So the fact that you're going to move up Tennessee, right? Because I think the big argument was, yeah, well, of course you right. put Alabama in front of Tennessee because Hendon Hooker's hurt, right? They they don't have their quarterback. They're not going to be able to play in a game. So in, instead, the committee says, yeah, you know what? We're going to move Tennessee up on a week that they didn't play. So the whole their quarterback is hurt argument kind of goes out the window. So if you're going to move them up, at any at any number of spots, they they need to be in front of Alabama. Ridiculous. Well, do you, are you mad that USC's not in front of them? I'm mad that USC is ten. I, He's I can't devastated. Utah USC being in front of 10. USC makes sense, right? They beat oh. Utah. They beat USC twice, right? I think USC being ten and Utah being eight's a bit of a bit of a crime. I think those two teams should be higher. And listen, I, I don't care that they play in the SEC, and I don't care that they went through the SEC title game. LSU is a four loss program that lost by twenty in the title game. Get that team out of the top twenty five. Chris is just very slowly setting himself up to be uh, a contrarian whenever the, we get to the twelve man playoff. That's right. Because. Nobody talks about the rankings after the top five. Nobody except for Chris Schubert. You know what, Joe? And that's been my biggest gripe with all of you in the conversations that we've had over the last couple of days. The, the biggest thing that no one pays attention to is what they do after the top four. Oh, I haven't looked one time this whole year. Okay. Can I <laughs> yeah, redirect this? Please. You redirect us. You brought us here. You said, Chris, do yeah, you want to make I... them a dude? <laughs> yeah, and then we spiraled three. How about Devontae Adams? 
Las Vegas Raiders have suddenly won three in a row. They are five and seven. They are a game behind the Chargers in the AFC West divisional standings. And in large part to Devontae Adams posting eight receptions for 177 yards and two tuts. And it was some of these catches along the sideline and contested catches and winning down the field. This is what the Raiders thought that they were getting when they acquired Devontae Adams. And in the stretch of play where the Raiders have kind of dug themselves out of the cellar in this really bad start, I mean, you look up now, they have 71 receptions for 999 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. And he's been very productive. He's hot. I mean, you look at November. 10 for 146 and 2, 9 for 126 and 1, 7 for 141 and 2, 7 for 74 against Seattle in the overtime win, and then 8 for 177 and 2. I mean, he's been red, 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 hot. And it's been cool to see him live up to that. It's been cool to see the Raiders kind of come back to life here a little bit. Finding that chemistry with Derek Carr that you knew was in there. Just a nice reminder in the midst of all these receiving leaders across the NFL that Adams is every bit that guy still. It's crazy to me that this is only his fourth 1,000-yard season. Crazy. Kind of dealt with some injuries. and Right. It's like, it's like there was like a – he got close like so many times, but it's just like, wow, I can't believe he doesn't have like eight of them. My, uh, my last dude here is – just one of my favorite parts of the NFL season this year has been the Detroit Lions offense. And so I want to give all the flowers to their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who has just been sensational. Put up 40 points today against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, Joe, that's not that impressive to me. Well, it's kind of a just an opportunity here after a strong offensive performance where they did score 40 points and had 31 first downs and went eight of 12 on third down and you know, they just possessed the ball for 37 minutes. It's an opportunity for me to kind of just give him a bunch of flowers here because he has been phenomenal. And this Detroit Lions team, they've won four of their last five games. And they've won I the two their two most recent losses. I mean, this team is this team is very close to being on a six-game win streak right now. They gave the Bills and the Dolphins all they can handle and came up empty in those games, but you know, they certainly were good enough on offense both of those days. And I, I just I am amazed by this offense. It is legitimately a, a top ten in literally any category that you want to look at it. They score points, and look, they're they're a top ten scoring offense, and that includes getting shut out by the Patriots and scoring. What did they score? There was a, six points against Dallas, and they've been this good otherwise. And and what's amazing to me about this Lions offense is it's not because they're loaded with star players. They've got some good players, right? They've got Armin Ross St. Brown, who's, let's be honest, a second-year player. You know, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. They thought they would have TJ Chark. He's played, you know, he missed like half this more than half the season at this point. They don't have Jamison Williams. They knew that, though. They trade away TJ Hawkinson. It doesn't matter. They're scoring points and putting up yards every single game. And I love the consistency. I think it's a very creative scheme, both throwing the football, running the football. They 
have good cadence. They have good rhythm. They're really good in the red zone. They, he calls good games every week. I'm just very, very impressed with what he's been able to get done with a supporting cast that I don't I, look. I don't think personnel wise that the that the Lions are top ten or top twelve, something like that. They're they're way overachieving, and I think so much of it is because of the scheme. And I I hope Ben Johnson gets a nice run here to to really show what he can do with this Lions team as they get Jamison Williams healthy and they get more comfortable with DJ Chark and what he offers. And as they build and add to it over the offseason, I think this this Lions offense is is something that deserves more discussion now. And I think in future years, we're really going to be excited about what this team has as they get more talented on that side of the football. I really like this Lions offense. And I thought a 40 burger on the Jaguars was a good opportunity to kind of give it a bunch of flowers. We have a wee woo gentlemen. We have a wee woo. And by the time the folks are listening to this show, this has already been news and they've already seen it, but they don't know that we're doing the show in real time here on a Sunday night. And so I have one of those no things idea where, what this is. Well, Jimmy it's Garoppolo. It's, uh, it's about 10 minutes old now that Jay got off the soapbox. Yeah, Joe going on a rant about Ben Johnson for like an hour there. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'll tell you, I'm having a good time this year being the pro scout for the Lions at TDN. I'm sure you are, Joe. I'm sure you are. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has has a broken foot and will be out for the remainder of the season. Wow. Wow, that changes things, huh? Yeah, well, I thought about giving Brock Purdy dude status. When he stepped into this game, he threw the ball over 30 times. They didn't do too much with him. I think you think about the San Francisco offense and getting the ball underneath to Debo Samuel and finding ways to get Christian McCaffrey involved in the running game, scheming up screens and, and design throws. He, I didn't think the offense changed that much. Now, he missed throws Jimmy wouldn't miss, and that's uh, that's going to be the area for... San Francisco avoiding negative plays on offense. But I do think they stylistically probably won't change that much, and it's a really good thing that they do have Christian McCaffrey because the running back room has kind of been tapped out with injury rooms here. They're going to have to continue to lean on the running game here if they're going to keep this thing headed in the direction that it is. They obviously had a great performance defensively, and uh, Purdy kept it between the lines. It's just a, it's a, it, that's a good way to put it. Kept it between the lines, but like how many of these Brock Purdy's CJ Beathard's it's Nick Mullins is it, it's, it's so crazy to me. It, it should matter. It should matter who your quarterback is, right? If you're 49ers, it should matter. Oh man. Wow. That's uh that's crazy. That's crazy. So the, you don't the, think Brock Purdy's going to win playoff games though, right? No. We've doubted the 49ers before on this show, so. Well, they had my respect for the way that they played on Sunday. I, I certainly think Miami did their hand to beat themselves, and Tua Tungvaloa took the first half off. That game missing everything. Skill players missed a couple touchdown opportunities, so San Francisco, once the game script got one-sided, they flew around on that side of the ball defensively. They're going to have to have a very specific game script to make sure that Brock Purdy doesn't have to chase a game. Right. Yeah. It was funny because before the game, it was all both sides are open to an extension and coming back next year. Like, like what? We, we've moved on from Jimmy, right? 
we're, we're we've moved on. Man, it comes fast in the NFL, doesn't it? Unbelievable. You don't, do you think Jimmy will be back? <laughs> no, I don't. And the only reason I ask I is because Chris and I went back and forth about this on the way to the airport today. But um, I think if you bring Jimmy back, it has to be under very specific financial situations. And I just don't know that that's going to align with the market that Jimmy has probably played himself into with what he played like for the majority of this season. How many teams are lining up though, right? Oh, we could do the thing, but we're probably yeah, not going to do the I, thing. Yeah. We can't do the thing. We can't do the thing. Not right now. Not so right. file that away, right? <laughs> we could do the it's thing different because you wouldn't have to trade anything, right? Right. It's a free agent. Beating war over Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of a broken foot. The world we live in. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate comments like that. What? Well, my team's going to be one of those teams falling over themselves to try to sign Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. Why, well, why would you? If, based on the, the, the production that you've received from Mike White, what puts you in a position where you say, you know what we got to do? We got to give Jimmy G sign Mike million. White. He's not under contract after this season. Like, oh, man. Speaking of old man, how about this mock draft from DP? Oh, one, spice, one thing. Spice, spice, spice. One thing first. Everybody raise your glasses and pour one out for the Denver Broncos, who lost yet another win because they couldn't manage to scratch out 18 points in a game. 18? How about 12? We just need 12 yeah, points. Need we, another line, field goal we would have won. <laughs> but the statistic was... If they score 18 at the end of regulation, they'd be nine and three, ten and two right now. But yet they're three and nine. Russ out there <laughs> cooking on the Bunsen burner. Oh man, the bu- I had heard that's the seventh grade science class, brother. I used that during the game today, and Chris and Paige about lost their minds. <laughs> You've now Bunsen found burner. an opportunity. To say that twice in a day? Well, I wanted, I wanted to give it to you and all of Thank our people you. here on Draft Dudes. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So normally we, we react to these mock drafts kind of in real time seeing them, but we were in the presence of Mr. Damian Parson this weekend as he penned this mock draft. And so we've, we've had a chance to look at some of it and uh, hear from Dame a little bit as we question some things. But what Mr. Parson has done is he has presented a scenario. He has presented a scenario that I think is going to put his Twitter mentions ablaze when this thing drops. And he's already told me he's muting to tweet as soon as it goes out. Smart. So shall we? How do you even start this conversation? <sighs> you got to talk At about- number one. Yeah, number one. Texans. Uh, quarterback, right? It's probably not the one everybody wants to see. It's Will Levis. Yep. For the Houston Texans. So, what's the path in your eyes, Joe? Well, the, the path is, first of all, Houston being willing to sit there and pick a quarterback. 
and then them surveying the quarterbacks and finding qualifiers and disqualifiers and saying, you know what, Bryce Young, we really like the intangibles and the accuracy, the instincts and the playmaking ability, but we, we, we're greatly concerned about your size and we don't think that we want to hitch our wagon to you. We don't want to count on you being the exception. We're out. You know, CJ Stroud, you had a lot of production at Ohio State, but, uh, you know, we think that there's a glass ceiling with you. And we want a higher upside player. You know what, Anthony Richardson, you're a lot like Will, Le- Will Levis, and we think you could be really, really good, but you only have one year of experience, and Will Levis has two and two years with NFL coaching, and we think he's a little bit more ready. But we want we want an action figure with an arm and that can run, and we think that this guy gives us our best chance, and so we're pulling the trigger on Will Levis. That's how it happens. Richardson and his slotting in the quarterback hierarchy is another talking point for us when we get there. Do you think it's hot? Yeah. Go go ahead. Well, so we get to the stretch of of defensive linemen that come off the board after Will Levis, and it's Will Anderson from Alabama, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, and Jalen Carter from Georgia. Are you in a – is it cut and dry to you that Will Anderson is like for sure the prospect that's going to be desired more than Jalen Carter? No, I don't think it's cut and dry. I think traditionally we will look at an edge guy and you usually see that guy go over the interior guy. But I don't I don't know. There like there I do feel there is some scheme specificity that could ultimately end up playing a role in this. And I wouldn't dismiss Jalen Carter from passing Will Anderson when it's all said and done. Right. And you can make that case that like what's easier to take away the unbelievable edge talent or the unbelievable interior talent. Right. It's going to, the answer to that's the edge, whether you like it or not, that's the answer. So I'm (laughs) will had a, I mean, I'm not down on will I he'll, you know, he's blue chip top of the first round type talent. But I think we, we so should start warming up to the idea a little bit that the conversation is at least worth having. So you mentioned that trio of defensive line when we had Bryce Young come off at five to the Panthers, and then we were back in the trenches and pass rushers for two of the next three picks. Miles Murphy to the Eagles at six, courtesy of the Saints. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle to the Jaguars. And then Isaiah Foskey the Arizona Cardinals at eight. So we went really hot and heavy on the defensive line here with five of the first eight picks. Yeah. The surprise there is Foskey in the top 10, right? Uh, we love Foskey, but I don't, I don't think I've seen him this high at any point. And maybe this yeah, is him kind of like eight. leaning into the Cardinals and some of their tendencies, but uh, and they certainly need a pass rusher. That's there's no question, but. Another like versatile defensive player is about the last thing I want to give to the Cardinals. I trust it with Foskey. You can, you can get is that more about Foskey or the Cardinals? It's more about the. It's more about Foskey. Yeah. <laughs> How about Anthony Richardson, QB three, coming off the board to the Colts? I I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by that. I think there's a conditioning that people have that it's 
Young and Stroud one and two. And you know what is what has Will Levis done to deserve being a first round? But what has Anthony Richardson done to deserve, deserve to be a first round pick? Well, folks, people get draft players get drafted based on what they can become. And yes, part of buying into this vision of what they can become is validated by what they've shown you to this point. But that's your, for the people that are, are, you know, throwing punches to the air, wondering why they see Will Levis so high or Anthony Richardson so high. It's because there's a lot of upside there and it's quarterbacks. And this isn't, these are guys with all the stuff uneven resumes for sure, but getting them in your building and building around them and thinking about what they could become for an NFL offense, there should be some appeal, whether you're in or out on those players. You should be able to see that. One. Things get really interesting because the fourth quarterback is C.J. Stroud. Comes off a 12 to the Las Vegas Raiders. So Dame has opened up Pandora's boxes. Derek Carr potentially be on the move. Is that a move for the New York Jets? Is that a move for somebody else? But, uh, I mean, Stroud with some of those weapons in the passing game certainly would be exciting. Yeah. But you talked about tools, and I, I think for me, it shouldn't be hot takey that if you hold C.J. Stroud against Anthony Richardson and Will Levis from a mm. arm power, athleticism, ability to beat you with their legs. Both of those guys are kind of significant needle movers versus what CJ brings to the table. No question. Hey, if you're going to pick Will Levis at one, I, I like the idea of giving him a Quentin Johnson with that second Texas first round pick. And he have no idea what to do with a guy like that because he didn't have it at Kentucky the last right. two years. <laughs> right. Like, wow, a whole new world. Wait, this guy's really big and long and went Ken down the field. <laughs> just, really? just throw it to him. <laughs> I just throw it down there. Right. That'd be nice to go with cooks and fit. And yeah. So Nico Collins and hopefully we can see John Mechie at some point. Dane tucked a couple names in the top half of the first round here, 15 and 16 that are, I think are fun names and certainly risers this season, but you, Joe, kind of like what you said with Foskey, you haven't seen him this high. Mm -hmm. Detroit drafting Jared Verse, the transfer at edge pass rusher at Florida State, and then the Chargers getting Rasheed Rice, another wide receiver, uh, amidst the emergence of Josh Palmer and getting some healthy guys at wide receiver. Another toy for Justin Herbert here at sixteen. Yeah, I mean, I think I think. For L.A., I'm going to like Rasheed Rice to any team because I think he can help any team. But don't you don't you feel like the Chargers just have to get better on the line of scrimmage? They just I have do. to. On both sides of the ball. Right. So, I mean, Jacobs tagged him last night. Man, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah, we did. It's just, but how long can you do this before you have to start really, really adding to it? So, like, as much as I would love Rasheed Rice for – Justin Herbert, <laughs> you got to find some trench help there. You have to. I would agree. Um, I guess what's challenging is you look at the 
the picks that came off, where's the next stretch guy? I mean, you have Anton Harrison at tackle. Right. right. Then you yeah, have I... two guys at 28 and 29. Yep. I guess technically 27 and 28, the forfeited pick. Never feel right. Uh, do you have a favorite pick in the back half? Well, I, I mean, Keely Ringo to the Giants is a dream, right, for them at 23? I mean, that's yes. a total dream. Uh, the, the corners in general. Bengals get oh. Cam Smith at 27. Well, the first corner comes off the board at 14 for Porter yeah. Jr. to Pittsburgh. Dame, I see what you did there. <laughs> and then you got Gonzalez and Witherspoon at 18 and 19. Yeah, the order here is definitely something we haven't seen yet. But I mean, one corner and the no corners in the top 12, I think is certainly a bit surprising for me when you think about positional value and some of the top talent that is available. I just see names like Richardson and Paris Johnson Jr. And yeah. I think it's a, it's a surprise that those names come off before these top corners, but Teams drafting for need with some of these teams, so I get it. Yeah. I think a pick that I like that's underrated, um, and maybe maybe I would wait and get a different player, but a, a, a receiver like Josh Downs for the Vikings, I think is is very much along the lines of what I, I would love to see added to that offense. Um, and maybe maybe there's a, a conversation worth having about waiting. <laughs> you know, maybe not picking that player at thirty or. If you like Marvin Mims a little bit later, you know, there's going to be some other players that are like that. But I think uh, uh, that type of skill set that can win vertically, win after the catch, uncover quickly, that's what I'd love to see added for Minnesota to go with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson. I think that really rounds out their weaponry, a player like Josh Downs. Okay, Joe, I want to play a game. Okay. Here to close. Chris is panicking. Are we, are we doing the thing? No. Okay. No, the thing. <laughs> I have three panicking. picks. All right. Okay. I don't want to play smash or pass with him. You just tell me. Smash or pass with this pick and this team. Would I smash or pass or am I seeing if you would? You. you. For me. Okay. Not, yeah. yeah. Don't All fill right. in the blanks for me. It's just I, would, I want your opinion. All right. Smash or pass. Kayshawn Boutte to the Baltimore Ravens. Pass. Why? Just a like, qu- qu- quick hitting. Yeah. Because I agree I, with you on this one. I, I, I love the idea for a wide receiver, but I, I need something that's more I can rely on more because I think that's kind of the issue with the, Bengal, the Ravens receivers. Reliability. So, Smash or pass. Dewan Jones to the Kansas City Chiefs. Ah. <sighs> At 29 pass. pass. Yeah. A little rich? It is. And, and him and I talked about it. You know, there's a good chance that Kansas City could have two different starting tackles next year. Um, but for them, the bigger need should be the left tackle and replacing Orlando Brown. And I know that DeWan Jones, I, you could you could point to some parallels between the two players, but I'm not I'm not drafting DeWan Jones at 29 for him to be Patrick Mahomes' blindside protector. Like I, I, I'm not doing that, so I'm pass. 
And my last one, smash or pass, Christopher Smith as safety two over the Texas A&M dynamic hybrid defensive back. Pass. Pass. I like Christopher Smith, man, but I think I think I, we, we've seen him too much in the first round of these. It's hard for safeties to go in the first round. And Chris Smith is a nice player. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. But I he's not first round for me. Billy's an interesting spot for a safety. When you think about they, what they got in Chauncey Garner-Johnson. They have a couple guys who have kind of emerged into roles. But I do think they would benefit from having more back there and having more sure. deep portions of the field play. But uh, Antonio Johnson not making this cut in favor of Christopher Smith I think is really interesting because you think about Johnson's ability to move around and play in the nickel and mm-hmm. I think just bring more to the table. Maybe safety, maybe uh, two high safety trends across the league. A guy like Smith can really be coveted for somebody, but I would think the versatility would move the needle more if you're talking a top 40 pick or so. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Chris, anything to add? It's a good pick for the Jets. Brian Branch was very happy with it. DP kind of asked me about it on the side. He's like, hey, what do we do here? And I'm like, these are the positions. And I threw it some players. He's like, oh, I forgot about he forgot about Brian Branch, in fairness. Yeah, I gave him a hard time. And, and you gave him a hard time about it, and then he mm-hmm. found a spot for him. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think the thing I appreciate, I think you guys both appreciate this as well. When it comes to these mocks at this time of year, it's fun to explore with a different possibility to see the way the board falls. And so with Will Levis at one, is it likely? Not at this stage, I don't think so. But it is a possibility. So to play that possibility out and to see what happens if Houston likes Will Levis better than the other quarterbacks and to let it play out, I think was a fun little exercise today on the show. That's that's kind of the point of mock drafts, right? Like, I mean, teams don't get in the week before the draft and do a mock draft and say, okay, we got to make sure we get it right. <laughs> it's what yeah. the heck do we do if this happens? What the heck do we do if that happens? Thank you for saying that out loud. <laughs> I just made it. It's a thought exercise. Right. It's an exploration of scenarios. Specifically and- right now, right? Like, when we get closer to the draft, it gets more predictive and you start to get to a point where you're trying to get it right. You're trying to go one by one, but right now this is exploratory. Yeah. You're just applying logic and trying to find puzzle pieces that you think fit. And I love it. It's really fun. Especially when, uh, the timeline doesn't take it too seriously. So Dame, go ahead, hit mute on that thing. You go ahead and enjoy the rest of your day. We hope everybody else enjoys the rest of their day as well. Thanks to our friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. We appreciate it as always. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Kyle Krabs, Joe Murder, Chris Schubert, signing off. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com. Or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.